Welcome to Distill 365. The show where Steve and Madame distill Office 365. Oh, we didn't do the planning. Now, now, is it you that's going to introduce me this time, or did I do it last time? I can't remember. Oh, 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 uh, wait, I think it was the neighbor's wife, his dog, that was going Bob's through three the... three times and scratched yeah, on the door. I that was the one. Let's do it properly. Go oh, on. Oh, yeah. Already, three, two, one, and go. Good evening, Steve. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Oh, shoot. Oh, well, everybody. Now we need to do a 6.1 again. Not a (laughs) 6.1, not again. Everything's working fine today. Hi, welcome to Office 365 Distilled. Or is it 365 Distilled or Distilled Office 365? I keep writing it down differently every time I write it down. We, We just have two major ingredients. We've got Office 365 and we've got whiskey. So... How you want to combine them, first whiskey, then Office 365, or the other way around, I don't care. No, I as don't long as we get some whiskey and we talk some Office 365. And we've already agreed previously that we should always start with Office 365, not with the whiskey. I think that's better for everyone who's listening to us. I think so. Yeah. All right, welcome. You do understand, I hope you've worked out by now, that we really do not take this too seriously. Um, <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And we have an agenda. Yeah. Here it is. This is the agenda. Yeah. It's um, even on paper. It is. Yes. Yes. In 2019, it, we start off our first podcast by writing on paper. And they that, don't realize that it's a big roll of white paper that's recyclable. Uh, yeah. Let's not go yeah, there. Either. No. 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 All right. So 2019. Yeah, we're here. All right. All we right. survived all the massive eating and drinking and partying and spending time with the family. We even survived that. So yes, nice. yes, I even cool. survived my mother visiting me for the week. Ooh. For the week, yes. Yeah. She was fun. That's good always yeah. to. I thought right. I, I thought I already saw some extra grey hairs there. So no, oh, those yeah. extra grey years because it's 2019. It's yeah. one more year on from when I was. Yeah, more mm. grey hairs. Yeah. So, 2018, was it a cool year? It was a very cool year, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you got your uh, MV yeah, that one, P yeah. thing, mm-hmm. so yeah. that was... Uh, no, that was definitely cool, yeah, absolutely. But the, for me, the coolest thing was to, to travel that much, because for the last six or seven years, I did one or two conferences every year. We did Ignite uh, two years ago, but... Really, last year I think I was at six or seven conferences at least, and and yeah, it was so it was utterly crazy doing all that traveling and meeting new people and seeing new places, and I so desperately want to do that again this year. Oh, so that's your objective to do more conferences or less? More, more, okay. absolutely more. So I just this morning saw that. Uh, so there's a SharePoint Saturday coming in Bremen in end of February. Where is and Bremen? Bremen is uh, the north of uh, Germany. That's what I thought. So it's like a four hour, four and a half hour drive from here. Uh, I didn't get selected as a speaker, but I'm still thinking of going there. Just because that's what you do. Yeah. And I need to contact the organizers if maybe I can do some volunteering or whatever. That's a neat idea. What date is it? I'll tell you what, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I may well join you. Because mm. we volunteered a few times this year, didn't we? Yeah, right. we no, did. I, yeah. Was, yeah, we both did, didn't we? Yeah. At, uh, yeah, SharePoint Saturday, Belgium. Belgium. Volunteer. a lot of fun. Yeah. It was. Yep. Uh, you got to speak at a few conferences, but I'm not going to get that you do that list. We did. Uh, I did Warsaw and mm. uh, 
and then I did Ignite this year and you gave it a miss yeah so I was able to keep telling you how cool it was and you yeah. were able to keep saying... So I will not make that mistake again. <laughs> this year, you already sent me a really cool idea for a hotel, so yeah. I'm definitely uh, going to look that up. So. Yeah, and I'll be booking my flight this year. So a piece of advice for anybody doing Ignite, it can work out to be quite expensive unless, of course, you're employed. So what I do is I book the accommodation and then a month later I book the flight and then a month later I, yeah, you know, the conference... The yeah, because yeah, otherwise it can and turn mm-hmm. out to be, uh, mm-hmm. be quite yeah. expensive. Yeah. So sure. that's what I tend to, to yeah. do. And um, now with with Ignite being in November, we need to make sure that we don't spend all our money there on whiskey, for example. Yeah, Because to bring next back. month will be December, so we will need to make sure that we've got still some money to buy presents for our daughters and and all the other Christmases. And all stuff. the uh, yeah. So, yeah. So it's interesting it being November this year. Uh, if you didn't realise it is moved from September to November. Um, that we, you're staring at my PC. I am. Yeah. I was. I was. Uh, oh, there it is. I was looking at the time. You're okay. looking for the time. Yeah, That's sure. all right. Yeah. We've still got lots more time because to bore these people. Yeah, we we really we little we really have some cool stuff to talk about, and I don't want to bore people to death with all the um, other stuff. Okay. Well, so, very quickly, yeah. some, add some information because that's what we're here for. So uh, Ignite has moved from September to November. I'm oh. sure most people know about that. What I found quite interesting is that November was always the European SharePoint conference. Uh-huh. So, and that's now moved to December. Yep. The very first week so, of December. Same thing with the Trive conference in Ljubljana that I went to. They were also looking at, okay, what day do we want to have? Because it's very close to Ignite. It's very close to the European SharePoint uh, conference where yeah. a lot of those speakers also speak at. So we don't want to do them at the same weekend or weekend So after Microsoft are being a big bully. They're throwing their weight around <laughs> and saying, we're going to move our date. I don't really mind. It probably means that there'll be no cyclones or whatever it is. The uh, the hurricane season, of that course, will be a bit be later. The issue, yeah. But it also might be bloody raining. So, you know, I don't mind being drunk when I leave some of these parties to hobble back to my hotel in the sunshine. But if it's pouring down with rain, and mm. I might not, you know, not even know where I'm going. So, but um, yes, yeah, so the European conference in December. Uh, I'd looked at I looked at going to the European conference instead of Ignite. Two reasons not to, in my mind. First of all, it only focuses on Office 365, so there's very little yep. stuff done on Exchange Air. There's nothing done on Dynamics and and all those kinds of things. Um, so I think that very SharePoint. You mean you said uh, yeah, very Office 365. Uh, yeah, but like I think that they, they they class yeah. it as Office 365, mm. but it is very SharePoint focused. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. But um, but I was had some colleagues went there, and also I looked at the cost. It's actually more expensive. It's shorter, um, and of course, it's the hotels are still as expensive. So, and uh, you know, don't tell anybody, but I think it's far more fun in Orlando with all the other worldwide buddies around for the Office 365. Absolutely so, true. Yeah. So I stuck yeah. with Ignite again, and uh, the booking process mm-hmm. has started. All right. Even if even if I was an employee at a company, I would definitely ask to go to Ignite instead of the European one. Yeah. But it could be that the European one is a easier sell. To your boss it is i think so yeah uh, but i guess you just need to do the math but anyway my experience so far is that you get more out of ignite than uh, than the european Absolutely. one but that's fine uh, everybody for everybody mm. also 2018 was a year of bloom for us wasn't it yeah uh, yeah we wanted to try and automate the whole process of migration a little bit more 
by using sort of online well not only remote. migration but also um, the whole uh, governance part and uh, and set up communication and yeah and you know being the ultimate entrepreneurs that we are we were just ahead of the game again and nobody really was that interested yet yeah that's a nice way to say <laughs> that nobody was interested in our services and stuff like that but no i think i think we really are ahead of the game on on this one uh and um yeah we'll, we'll see where, we'll it, see goes. where it goes uh, so yeah. I, it's true i think people are, are still touchy-feely about adoption and migration they still feel that people yeah they kind of need to treat them with respect and yeah. uh, i think that 2019 will be a case of just do it honestly do i think with the agile stuff that's coming out you know yeah. fast fail yeah. fast yeah. Um, um, I think. Um, and your your idea of the that uh, barely minimum governance. Uh, baseline track, governance. The baseline yeah. governance. I think that also plays a very well part in it. Fail fast because yeah, it's so easy to reconfigure. Yeah. So absolutely. test it, try it. Yeah. You know, put a you know four or five hundred pilot people pilot together and just let them get on with it and see what they come from. Sure, Especially yeah. you can take the sort of low priority, not core business people, and see what they. They go for, but anyway. So I think 2019 will be a, an interesting year from that perspective, and yeah, and then take it yeah. from there. So do you have any any crazy plans for 2019? Uh, I'm actually um, going to be a certified Scrum Master. That's nice. my objective this year, nice. and a certified product owner. Cool. Because okay. uh, I've started looking at how the old Agile manifesto is applied to SharePoint. Mm -hmm. uh, not just, I mean, if you're developing stuff in SharePoint, that's cool. Uh, but I think the, this whole approach of how we can take what is effectively a rapid development platform, so SharePoint is about providing that enterprise content management and about those kinds of solutions and, around content, and do it in a very, very quick way. Not just automating uh, a site and saying, hey, it's yours now, away you go, uh, but really giving good, solid, Enterprise content management, content types, that's all changing mm -hmm, this year. Mm -hmm. There's a whole new bunch of stuff coming out, and we'll, I think we'll cover that on a, a later process. Yeah. Um, and uh, the new file plan stuff. So uh, I don't think you can put that in unless you can find a way of managing it quickly and in a business-as-usual environment, be able to test it, check it, um, and then change it as to, to suit the environment. The days of providing a SharePoint site to an organization and walking away are rapidly disappearing. And I think yeah. the Agile manifesto, the Agile approach is a way to go. So that's what I'm doing. I uh, hoped that I'd pass my Scrum Master by now. I wanted to do it, and I did attempt the exam, but don't tell anybody, but I was a few percent short of a pass. Oh, I was oh, so Dad. pissed. Oh, but there yeah. you go. Um, mm -hmm. But that's you know I think you need to hit it first time and really find out what was happening. And there was a lot yeah. more people management leadership stuff in than I'd been led to believe through some of the tracks that I'd followed. Mm -hmm. So I, all the stuff about how agile works and stuff that was fine. I was 100% on those. Yeah. Uh, but in some of the areas, the questions about uh, the nitty gritty, uh, they came up. There were surprise questions, but I'll be better prepared for them next time. Yeah. Cool. Okay, okay, okay. So, 10 minutes in and we haven't still talked about the subject that we wanted to cover. Oh, oh boy. Oh yeah. boy. Let's, let's, uh, what dive. a failure. Yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in. No. <laughs> okay, so you wanted to, you had some yeah. questions really about the whole groups thing. 
not just about groups, but no, the different well, kinds yeah. of security that's applied mm -hmm. to them and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Well, and confused not, users. not only security, but much more. So um, I've got this customer and uh, they've been working for a few years with SharePoint and uh, well, other office uh, related stuff like they, they had their exchange and stuff like that. Um, so back then they created uh, distribution groups in AD. Um, they created um, security groups to use in uh, SharePoint. And of course now we're moving everything to modern. And that also implies that we are also adding uh, groups. So but to be clear, they, they used um, uh, email enabled security groups in AD. So you can have security groups, yeah. but you can't email them unless you email enable them. Mm -hmm. And you use those as distribution groups. Or did they create distribution groups on Exchange? Or am I just showing how confusing this can really be? Yeah. Well, I'm not an Exchange admin. So <laughs> I've got... It's, it's one of the two. Well, the, the thing is, when I open up um, Azure AD, yep. I see those groups in there. So Two groups, same name. Well, or the user sees certainly. the user sees in their in their Outlook when yeah. they click that two uh, thing and they've got the pop up with everyone that they can uh, email to. Yeah, they now see, for example, two HR email yeah. things that they can mail to. I had, I had the same issue with a, a client uh, that was doing Lotus Notes. Mm -hmm. So they had Lotus Notes distribution groups. Yeah. Um, we had uh, obviously redoing collaboration um, in using Office 365 groups, which also creates another AD group and another kind of distribution group. Um, so they were, their big question was, hey, we've got all these 250 distribution groups and these 700 groups, you know, what are we going to do with them? And so, yes, I think that it can lead to a lot of questions. So it's a good subject. Absolutely. Yeah, true. Yeah. And it's a valid question from my end users saying like, Ooh, what, what group do I need to pick? And um, so now the question is, of course, how do we go from there to a good solution? I think the real confusion is not just about the using them, it's, it's how you manage them. So mm -hmm. you, you get a request, can you remove John Smith from the finance group, please? And then you take them from one group only to find that they're still getting email in the other group because there's six people that have got that that item saved. Yeah. All right, so let's be clear then. So we're talking about the different kinds of groups that we have that have got people in, SharePoint security groups, Active Directory groups, distribution groups for, for emailing. Mm -hmm. Office 365 groups. Office 365 groups, which are either a distribution group in exchange, well, that gets confusing, so maybe yeah. we'll break that down as well for people in a minute or two. And then we're talking really about how we plan them, how we do the migration from them, and how we do the business as usual, or the ongoing governance. Wow, that's a that's a big subject, isn't it? Yeah. Let's let's make this an eight-hour podcast, maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, because we got a nice whiskey that I want to taste. Well, oh. we've got a different whiskey that I want to taste. Yeah, it's a special one. It's a special one. So we'll go into that. And actually, we've just spent a few minutes looking at some of the advertising videos for it. Yeah, I'll definitely link uh, to that in the show notes because yeah, I think it was it's a really cool. cool story. Yeah. And of course, it's the whiskey part of this 
whole podcast that we really enjoy most. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Let's get back to the subject. All right. Anyway, going. So groups. Yeah. We, we, we should say we've had a lot of. We should say hello to some of our friends who've actually come to us and said, "Hey, we've been following you from the beginning." Uh, when I say friends, I mean friend. Um, no, 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 I'm really joking. No, no, no. But there, no. there were a few people on Twitter that were uh, reaching out to me yep. and say, "Wow, that's so cool! Uh, the thing that you're doing and." Yeah, I good. really enjoy that on my long but, walk. But they're whiskey drinkers. You look at their yeah. their titles, and they're also uh, yeah. So True. we yeah. will get there in the end. But let's yeah. let's talk about this group thing. So where do you want to start with this? I mean, I think there is a planning aspect to it. If you want to get into sort of, if you want to take the problem and resolve it, it has to be done at the planning stage. So it's True. But question. the question is, do you plan for your desired state? And write everything down, or do you just start by moving stuff around and go as you go? Go as you go. You go as you go. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So you're basically saying, do we deal with it as we feel the need, as as we need to delete a group, or if there's two groups? Mm-hmm. So if a user says, "Hey, I've got two finance groups. Who do I email here?" So you consolidate all the users into one group and then delete the other group. Yeah. Or is that maybe something that uh, when you create a new Office 365 group that you also look at all the existing groups around that. For example, HR. Let's create a new uh, HR Office 365 group. So then uh, do we, as part of creating that SharePoint site that is part of that group, do we also check Azure AD to see what HR-related groups are in there? Is it then when we want to do that? Or is that uh, too early, too late? Well, let's take the baseline governance. Yeah, We talked about this in a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. So when an organization wants to go to Office 365, as a consultant, I know you are the same as me, you talk to a few people, you get an idea of why, you know, one of the first questions is why do you want to go to Office 365? What are you trying to improve? What are the problems you've got? And you're already starting to build a picture here of the structure, what they've used in the past, how many years these distribution groups, to, to use the example, have been around, mm-hmm. how you manage them, what the internal process is. Some organizations have been with distribution groups are really important and everybody yep. has an owner. And that owner keeps them up to date, removing people, adding people. Mm-hmm. So your baseline governance is instantly saying, you know, they're going to go to Office 365, but email is one of their priorities. So as soon as you say email is important when you're thinking about either migrating or um, updating or integrating within your collaboration. Wow, that was hard work. Integrating well, yeah. within your collaboration. Good call. Um, then I think you start to make some plans and some baselines. So at that point, you do need to have that information. That will lead to more questions. So, hey, guys, how are you going to communicate? Oh, we use Jabber, or we use Skype messaging, or we use email distribution groups. And then you're going to say, okay, who sets those groups up? Oh, I don't know. They've been here for 20 years is the response. Okay, who manages it? Uh, I manage it. I add people and take them away. What process do you use to add people? Oh, I email the exchange administrator. Ah, exchange administrator, that tells me these are distribution groups on exchange. Uh, Oh, I email the help desk. Okay, let's go and talk to the help desk. You also, of course, will get a lot of information back in terms from the security people on AD groups and how they're created. 
uh, exchange on the distribution groups. Yep. So I think you need information to be able to make kinds of decisions. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. let's assume they don't have anything at all. Maybe this is another technique I often use is, all right, the basic organization, this company has used pen and paper for the last 20 years and they're going to office receipts fine. So you look at the business, okay? So it's a distributed business. It's got lots of divisions, 25 divisions, and each division's got 30 departments or 15 departments. So you, yeah. you're already mm -hmm. starting to build a structure. So you know you're going to have AD to manage the security. You know you're going to have subgroups to manage departments. Yeah. Groups in groups is still a problem, but it's mm -hmm. a greenfield site. Mm -hmm. So we are okay because everything's going to be in AAD. They don't have any old active directory stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you can basically start to build a picture as to where you think you want these people to go with baseline security. Then I think you can go back to them and go, okay, so your problem is you have two groups called finance. So I either want to make it a distribution group or I want to make it a security group or an AD group so I can actually secure with it. Is it the same people that's going to go into the SharePoint group? So this department that needs to email each other are they going to have a SharePoint site or an Office 365 group? Are you planning on not emailing stuff anymore anyway? So why would you want to set up a distribution group? So there's loads of questions, mm -hmm. and all you have to try and do is funnel them into where you want to get to. Then that means your decisions on what you do with the groups are based upon where you want to get to, not necessarily on what they have or how it works. Because it's all about change. Mm -hmm. So the person that's managing those people in that distribution group anyway We'll still manage them in that group, but now you're doing yep. it into an AD group, potentially, if that's your choice. But with Office 365 groups, you're setting a distribution group up anyway. Absolutely. So, in my case, of my customer, we just want to keep everything as simple as possible. Uh, so, we are uh, removing those uh, security groups, we are removing those distribution groups, and we're... Uh, yeah, getting those Office 365 groups uh, in place. So what backup are you putting in to catch people that still are using those distribution groups? Because they'll have them saved in their local f folder. So one of the techniques that I've used again in the past is that I remove everybody from the distribution group mm -hmm. except for one email account that is then my catch-all email account. So when somebody sends to a distribution group, if they still think they've sent it, you can catch the email and you can contact that oh, individual yeah. and say, that's a cool idea. hey, yeah. uh, you just tried to send to this distribution group, that's now been stopped. Uh, if you want to email to those people, then please do it this way. But does that name still resolve then, even after I delete the uh, distribution? Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't distribute, the, I wouldn't no. delete the distribution group. It's okay. a bit like stopping people access it unless somebody's going to mm. shout and then if nobody shouts after six months I'll delete it. Yeah. So this way what you're doing is you're trying to communicate to everybody yeah. and say yeah. this distribution group is now, if you want to contact these people, go to this Office 365 group and Could you put a forward on it, maybe? That it would get forwarded to the correct group but then still you won't uh, help the person that actually send it by pointing them to the right group. That would work too. Yeah. So it's really about how you manage change in your organization. Yeah. If you want to slap them around the head and say, hey, that don't work anymore, this is how you do it, then I would take people out of the group. 
because they'll still be tempted to continue to use it. They mm -hmm. won't change. But if you turn around to them and say, that email you wanted to send to those 20 people has not been sent. So uh, this is you how you do that. Could you maybe an out-of-office, for example? <laughs> that would you be could. cool, yeah. It's like you send an email, like, oops, sorry, uh, this is not correct, this is the new uh, thing. I'm going to give this man a high five. That's a great idea. Yes, yeah. so I would... Let's uh, say, see if that's possible. Yes. So you take the people out of the group, you have one account, which is part of the distribution group, which sends back an out-of-office. So there's probably some exchange admins out there now going, no, boys, you're wrong, because you can't do an out-of-office <laughs> on a distribution group. Yes, Maybe. okay, we've, we'll learn Maybe. that, but it's an idea. It's what we're yeah. doing. I think you can actually... Or maybe, maybe we could create there. a flow or something. Well, I've got a feeling that you can do an auto response to a, a distribution group it's, it's, that works like an out of office that oh, sort yeah. of says you've yeah. sent this to these people. But yes, you could do a flow. Wow, we're on form tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All these opportunities. But it's better. It's better than just removing the distribution group. I think you need to well find for a, for a, for some time, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't want those groups to be there forever uh, and of course I also think that how you name those groups is super important as well so maybe you could rename that old distribution group into old HR for example and the new one into HR team HR group I think you're right as long as you have good communications around this because otherwise people won't be able to use the old name anyway because you've renamed it. So you may as well delete it. Oh, yeah. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, food for thought. So if anyone has any cool, great ideas, let us know. Yeah. Let us know. Your ideas. Yeah. Because there's two sides of this. So that's the planning side then. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to migrate them across? So And I think the management change comes in. Um but then we also have to think about a business as usual for whatever we put into place. Mm -hmm. So if our policy or, f or governance is going to be around Office 365 groups, which will then become distribution groups, or teams, which then become teams, you still need a policy of being able to manage who's inside those teams. Now, some organizations, yep. you can just go to the group and add them and take them away. But if it's a heavily regulated organization, mm -hmm. like a finance institution or a government yeah. organization, mm -hmm. then there needs to be an audit trail on where all of this stuff has, has gone and done. And uh, here in Belgium, one of the requirements from the compliance people and the uh, National Bank of Belgium, for example, um, is there must be a human being that approves access for that person to this space where there's content. Okay. So if I have wow. confidential or compliance information, uh, if I if they're being added to a computer system where, you know, there's transactional data on it or whatever, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then before they get access, there has to be a human that owns that system that says yes, I approve this person to have access. So consequently, using the out of the box SharePoint Office group, if you've got sensitive content in there, say hey, I'm just going to add this user. You need to grab that in some way or automate it by saying, I want to add this user to this group, and then you start a workflow that, hey, make sure you get the right approval, yeah. uh, and then adds them into the yeah. appropriate group. So you do need to look at your compliance and policies around how you manage access to your content. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I that's a heavy pick. one. Yeah. yeah, the U.S. Army. I did some work for those a few years ago. That was even worse. So that was really quite. Uh, well, they did, of course. They're clever. They can. They actually have two SharePoint environments. Can I tell you this? With somebody might come through the door in a minute. You know, yeah, guys on the end of ropes. Yeah. yeah. No, but but mm-hmm. uh, this organisation and like others, they separate them off. They have two SharePoint environments. One with and in secure, which is. Yeah, separated mm-hmm. and one normal, and then they can have less security on one and on the other. Yeah, makes sense. With Office 365, with the fact that it's content focused, then you can have different policies on a site that's got secure or secret information in there than it's not got it. And uh, I gonna that's we talked about what we're doing in 2019. I need to get on top of that. Yeah, the whole classification. Yeah. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Joanne. John Klein uh, has recently done a, a, a few uh, blog posts on the whole compliance and policy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some more in-depth things to go. We talked about planning for groups. Imagine having to plan for what policy is going to be around this document that is defining the organization's strategy for the next 10 years and can only be read by a board member who might be an external board member because boards are made up with internal mm-hmm. external people, unless I have to give him my company machine to keep it secure, which I don't really want to do. Yeah. So thinking about that Ooh. content, identifying that yeah. content, working out what compliance and policies can be applied, making sure that your compliance department and your security team are happy with whatever's being done, and then testing it. You know, actually having yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody, whether you can get to that content, who's not there. Um, so, yes, and then we get back to where we started. Mm-hmm. So somebody adds somebody to a security group, uh, all of a sudden maybe giving them access to all kinds of content. So then you want to be able to sort of make sure they're approved at all kinds of different levels. Which takes us back to the whole planning question. So you actually have to plan the whole information architecture within your organization before you build the first SharePoint site, before you build the first Office 365 group, um, because you're going to need to build a bunch of compliance and policies. And then we get the asset labeling. Well, we've got enough here for the next podcast, I tell you what. Yeah, let's let's talk about that one in the next one. Absolutely. uh, Let's put that forward onto the next one. We just hit our uh, 30 minute mark. We have. That means one very important thing. Yeah, kind of, kind of, because what we did want to say is we wanted to talk about what was going to be in 2019, didn't we? We mm-hmm. The groups thing went on a little bit further. Um, so maybe they'll beg us just two or three more minutes before we crack that. I know I'd like to. You mentioned something earlier tonight when we were talking about uh, people releasing all the new stuff, like the big menu, the mega menu. The that, mega you know, menu, yeah. And a few yeah. voices about complaining yeah. and stuff. Oh, it's not there yet. Uh, it was promised at the end of 2018, and it's now 1st of January, and we still don't have it. And Terrible, Microsoft, oh. you naughty, naughty boys. Right. It, hey, get real, isn't it? Of course. The, the, you can either have it not working because it's not ready yet, uh, or you can wait until it's getting into preview. But yeah. it reminded me about this whole cycle. And, of course, with the November mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. we talked about whether it's moving up. So yeah. just to remind everybody here about what the current cycle is, it used to be three years. Yeah. So every three years, you would get a new release of something, a new release of Exchange, a new release of Server, a new release of SharePoint. And, that you know, you can do the counting. 2010 plus three is 2013, SharePoint 2013. Mm-hmm. 
2010 minus 3, SharePoint 2007, hey, every three years. Yeah. Or we can now have monthly updates as and when they're ready to go using the agile methods of, of development and requirements. And of course, that's where we're at. So it tends to be done yearly. So in May, um, we end up with the SharePoint team in Las Vegas yeah. at the, the SharePoint conference. Keynote. Absolutely. Yeah. So they tell us where they are in terms of the new stuff that's coming out. And um, Jeff Tipper tweeted something just before Christmas about how excited he was with the group coming up with all the ideas of where they're starting to brainstorm yeah. around what's going to be in the, the next coming release. So he's always excited. He is. Well, on, he's such on, a cool he's, guy. He's always excited on Twitter. If you see him in real life, you don't think that this guy would ever get excited with those maniac killer eyes, but still, still. I, everybody loves yeah. him and that's cool but you, you just keep us all informed so that May to September so to Ignite which is now going to be May to November that's when they kind of build it and test it and we'll find out whether it works or not and put the proofs together and then they demo it at Ignite I mean that's mm -hmm. why Ignite yeah, is such a cool place yeah. yeah and you get to actually see what the new search is going to yeah. look like you get to see what the new file plan is going to look like yeah. And you get to go and talk to Microsoft at the exhibition. The man, you see the preview software. And then you can find out how much it's going to cost, which is always bad news. But, you know, you get to, <laughs> you get to find out yeah. which compliance is going to be on the licensing yeah. stuff. So mm -hmm. my analytics is now going down to E3. It we got is. notified. Yeah. Yeah. So they give it away eventually, or they include it in the lower yeah. licenses. But that used to be an E5 only thing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then, of course, Ignite comes out. And then you end up with that period of time before May because they try and release all of this stuff into preview before May comes along. Yep. Unless it's really complicated, like multiple logins to MS Teams or um, the other one that they were going to do. Uh, multiple logins is one that's on the user voice. Um, what is the, the other big one that was on the user voice that took a, a while to come I'm through? I'm still waiting on my tenant to have my uh, uh, SharePoint document library Modern enabled yep. on uh, my uh, Teams. So it, it takes a while for it to come out into preview and then it gets done. So there's a, a few things, but that tends to be between this period. So we're in delivery period now. And just because it's not there on January the 1st, I would rather wait a month so that it's stable and preview is yeah. worth playing yeah. with. But yeah, so we're in delivery period. So 2019, the next six, three or four months, I guess six months, but May is going to be exciting because we'll get some new toys to play with. Yeah. Cool. Now, yeah. now you can introduce the whiskey of the uh, yeah. the session. Yeah. And you know me, I'm a bit of a purist from time to time. Not always, not from Monday till Friday, but on the weekends I tend to be a bit of a purist. And a purist or a, a purist. purist. <laughs> this this whiskey is expensive. Yeah, I'll, I'll do some pouring later. But <laughs> one of the things that I really love about a good bottle is that you can hear the pop when you pull the cork out. And this one has this other really cool noise, like this. Yeah. So that kind of takes the fun away from you me. Know, but anyway. And that's yeah. awesome, because when I was sitting here and we were talking earlier, I noticed it hadn't got a cork in it. Yeah. And I thought, we're not going to be able to do the pop, but that was good. Can you do that again? No. <laughs> this is the sound of anticipation. That's yeah. good. Now, don't put the top back on now. Why don't you pour some in those two glasses there yeah. and we'll take it from there. Good that. idea. So, so, shall I introduce the whiskey? Absolutely. Um, those of you that know me, you've probably got the idea that uh, I really like uh, Irish whiskey. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of time in Ireland last year. Um, and whenever you go to a bar and there's no really good malts or, you know, those kinds of bars that just do it, you can always find a Jameson's 
in terms of you know uh, an Irish whiskey. So you managed to find the Jamesons with a difference. Yeah. So it's actually one of those uh, whiskies that we talked about in uh, as an example a few episodes again. Um, where Jameson has done some collaboration with uh, something else, just like the gins that are getting infused with stuff. Oh yeah, that so was the, there's one advertised in the UK at the moment that I really quite fancy a taste yeah. of. Uh, Glen Live uh, Glen something or other, Fire and Ice. So Ooh, yeah, okay, it's, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. So this one is actually, and and the story goes that there was a guy from uh, Jameson, one of the distillers, sitting at the bar talking to um, a, a brewer, a beer brewer. Uh, um, independent brewer. Independent brewer. And uh, the brewer said, hey, can I, uh, I really want to do something special with my stout beer. So I really want to uh, use a couple of your barrels to uh, age my stout in. So the guy from uh, Jameson said, well, that's pretty cool, but um, what if we could also do it the other way around? So just if our Jameson... Um, ripe in a um, stout barrel so in a barrel that has already uh, that had stout in before so that's actually what this is so this is a Jameson cask mates uh, stout edition so me personally I I love stout beer so if I go to one of the many 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 bars in uh, Belgium where we have that big beer uh, tradition I always try to find uh, a stout beer because I just love the coffee, creamy uh, taste of it. So um, I had pretty high hopes when I got this bottle. I can hear some disappointment in there. No, well, the disappointment was I was hoping for, because I love whiskey, I love stout beer, and I was hoping to get this was the, best, be perfect. the best of the two. Yes, indeed. So I was really hoping for that, but it's it's something different. Okay, well I'll talk about the whiskey because yeah. I've been tasting it while you were explaining its history. So according to what we can smell here, they talk about crisp orchard fruit, green apples and pears, with a twist of lime, with yeah. a zest of lime, but and twist the, of lime. The, the freshly cut hay. Yeah, I don't get that though. No, I get the I can get the lemon or yeah. the lime. Sorry, yeah, not the lemon. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. get that. And the fruity, yeah, the fruity part, yeah. And uh, and after when you've tasted it in a minute, you'll get more flavours on the on the nose. But it but it it does have this kind of darkness about it. I guess they describe it as chocolate, but it's a yeah, bit like chocolate, a, a dark nutty, chocolate, yeah, nutty flavour um, so, smell. Sorry. But it is yeah. different. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And the taste. I think by the time you get to the third taste. The mm-hmm. it's mellowed down a little bit, and then you can actually start to get those hops. Certainly, the cocoa beans and vanilla. I get vanilla in there. I don't know what you taste. I always get vanilla. In yeah. Whiskey, <laughs> but anyway, like me with yeah, that, yeah. Oh. But, but, but it's uh, quite yeah, strong yeah. on there. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, the, the 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 coconut beans definitely there. Um, but I was I was hoping for that stronger stout. coffee yeah. stout stout kind of kind yeah. of bitterness you know that a stout can you know a dark Guinness especially yeah but 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's not there. But yeah. there are some interesting flavors. They're there. actually pretty close by Guinness and, and Jameson. So why don't they just? Yeah, somebody missed anyway, an opportunity yeah, here. Yeah. But still, I think it's an interesting whiskey to taste. It's not my go-to whiskey on a dark, rainy night. No. Um, but it is. It is an interesting experiment. That's true. It's not really a winter whiskey, and it's not really a summer whiskey either. No. So what would be, what would be a good occasion? time to drink this? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then again, is Jameson's a brand that you drink on a special day or a special event, or is it really the go-to bar whiskey? So this is kind of a a variety on the normal. Yeah. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, I know you, a few weeks ago when you said you'd first tasted this, you mm. felt you didn't really like it or yeah. it wasn't where you mm-hmm. were going to. Yeah. And so I was kind of anticipating that, thinking, okay, this is going to be something rubbish. that it's no. not. No. But it's th- not rubbish. It's just an interesting experiment and I had different hopes. Yeah. But I like this. The finish here says it's long and sweet with milk chocolate and butterscotch. That's actually really true. I do get that. I definitely get the milk chocolate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. As an aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could actually get used to this. Okay. Yeah. I like this. Oh, well. It's always an advantage. We record this at uh, my place at CIS, and uh, Moraine always drives over here. Um, we really should reverse this one day, so that because he can never finish his full glass, because he has to drive back, and of course, we do say to everybody that you, you know, you drink your spirits in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I keep getting butterscotch. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. All right. So I anyway. guess we're coming to the end of this. Um, hope you've enjoyed this one. This one has gone on a little bit longer than normal. We were concerned. Yeah, we can always cut stuff out, like the oohs and the ums and the. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do a little like bit that. of that. Yeah. I'll do a little bit of that. I thought it was an interesting subject. You know, the groups, I think, is something that never ever hits a high priority on the list of things. We always think about it's how true. many sites. What's the document library going to look like? How are we going to manage the content types? You know, how are we going to do this? We never yeah. really think, and security. We think about SharePoint groups. Yeah, true. But distribution yeah. groups, yeah. we always kind of say, no, that's an exchange problem. Yeah. But, it's but for not this now. one, no, here we really need to think about collaboration and communication. Yes. How do you, as a group of people, want to work together? And, and talk the, together. And talk and together. Communicate yeah, together. Absolutely. And teams, in some ways, the dumbing down of this, and I've talked about this before, uh, I do get why Microsoft are going down there because a lot of organizations want to be able to do it themselves. So you just click a button and you can make a video call and a conference mm-hmm. call. Um, and so that works. So they can add people to it. But of course, most organizations, I would say a large number, 60% of the organizations need to have a better handle and control of their security and their access rights and that content and that's where the compliance of policies come in which we'll cover at another subject anyway that's it my friends Uh, that's it for another episode what episode are we up to now Uh, we have so many we can't remember six Six. yeah all right so this is six coming to an end so I guess Steve Dolby here signing out Twitter account Cy Steve S-E-I-S-T-E-V-E and my awesome colleague and friend here Moraine Summers yeah so same thing for me, Twitter handle, just Madan Somers. Uh, yeah, write me a note if you like this episode, if you got any really cool ideas, if you got any topics that we need to discuss, if we have any whiskeys, bourbons, 
whisk case or whatever that we need to try out please feel free to send us a bottle um yeah that's, that's about it. it all right well i do recommend that you take this jameson's this caskmate caskmate brand the stout one it's an interesting idea you take a whiskey in the last six months of its life you put it into a barrel that used to brew beer and you know the whole taste of a whiskey and the color of a whiskey comes from that maturing process in the barrel yeah we didn't so. even talk about uh, the color of this one we didn't know oh, but it's yellow <laughs> <laughs> it's a jameson's it's a yeah. jameson's cool yeah it hasn't got a white head on the top of it no not like a stout no you know my friend anyway cheers cool. cheers best of 2019 absolutely to you to me and to anybody that's listening good night folks cheers